Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Welcome, Logan Ward. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've heard some of your stories, but I'm sure my listeners haven't. So how do you get started and how did all this come together, Logan? Thanks, Dr. Beckett. I'm glad to be here. I'm very honored to be with you. For me, my collecting journey started kind of like a lot of people. It started in 1971. Of course, I was playing Little League. I lived in Louisville, Kentucky. And of course, living there, we were all big red machine fans. We loved the Cincinnati Reds. That was our team. Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, all those guys. And one day, the kids next door, and I'll give their names, Mark and David, they came over to my house and they said, hey, wow, check this out. We've got these baseball cards. And they were 1971 tops. Yeah. And I was just absolutely enamored with those things. And I asked him, I said, where did you get those? Because I had no idea that anything like that even existed. I was like 10 years old at the time. And of course, they told me where they got them. So the very next day, I was out with my dad. And we were out running errands. And there was a Woolworths. And I asked dad, I said, can we stop at Woolworths? I would like to see if they have baseball cards here. And he goes, what do you want to do all that for? Because he was always, you know, I don't understand this baseball card thing. But. I said, can we stop? I'd like to see if they got cards. And sure enough, he stopped. I went in. They had baseball cards. I only had enough money for, I thought, a, a couple packs because I thought they were like a dime. So I went up to the counter, paid for the cards, and the lady only charged a nickel a pack. So I ended up with four packs instead of two packs. So she apparently was going off some old prices. I don't know when they went from a nickel to a dime, but it had been somewhere close around there. But anyway... I remember getting the packs and I opened them up in my dad's car and I ended up getting a Pete Rose. It was the first series of 71 tops. And I was just ecstatic. I could not believe him. Here I've got Pete Rose. I love Pete Rose. Still do. I know he's had his issues. But from that point on, I was completely hooked. All I thought about when I was a kid was eating, sleeping and drinking baseball cards. That was what I was doing. And you're 10. I was 10 years old. And when you're nine and eight and seven, you never saw a card. I had never seen a card. I didn't even know anything about them. It was so strange because you go to a candy store. Yeah, it's like a parallel universe. <laughs> You're not looking for them. But once you see them, it's not that they're everywhere, but you really see them. Yeah. From that point on, every quarter I could get, I was get my mom and dad to take me to the store and buy cards. And that was also the same year I saw rack packs. And I didn't even know what those were oh. at Kroger. Yeah. And they were like, I think 30, 29 or 39 cents. And you got 50 something cards and you could actually see the cards that you wanted. And they had them on the peg and you could just see, hey, there's someone or whoever. And you could pick out who you wanted. From that point on, I was hooked. And of course, 72 came out and I love those cards. That's still one of my all time favorite card sets. Best set of the 70s, I think. I totally agree with you. I remember one story from 72. I had pulled a 72 Johnny Bench. I was the only kid in the neighborhood that had it. There was like, four or five of us that collected cards in the neighborhood. I know this one kid, I'm not going to name his name. He really wanted that card and we were trading and I went home one night and my Johnny bench was gone. But then magically the next day, this kid had a 72 Johnny bench. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's my card. I know it's my card. I finally said something and talked to him enough. And he finally admitted that was my card. And he gave it back to me. But uh, that was really funny back then. Again, every time I do an episode, I 
discover or remember something that I'd forgotten. And that is that my mom and dad, they, we were on a family vacation when I got that first penny pack in 56. After that, I don't remember my parents ever taking me to get cards or getting cards with my parents. You know, my dad had been a collector, so he didn't disapprove. My mom just wanted me to play sports, but didn't disapprove of collecting. So I rode my bike or walked or traded with the other kids. But I don't ever remember being at the grocery store and saying, hey, mom, can you buy me a couple packs of cards? There was always a candy store within bike riding distance. I lived in a different house in fifth, different house in sixth, different house in seventh, different house in eighth and different house in fourth grade. So all those years, third grade, every year I had a different house. So it was a different store, but it was always the same. It wasn't mom, take me, I'm going to go shopping with you and I'm going to get some cards. How did I get so many cards? Because I had a couple thousand cards and I don't even remember having a dollar. I had quarters. That's the (laughs) best I had, Logan. So a quarter stretched pretty far. Of course, I'm a little bit older. So they were definitely nickel packs back in the late fifties and early sixties. So that's cool. So did you have one of the bigger collections in your neighborhood? Oh, man. Everybody that knows me, that they know how I go to extremes on everything. Yes, I did have the biggest collection in the neighborhood. I always kept the count. I had a little piece of paper. Every time I went to the store, I'd add that number of cards I had to my total of cards. And I remember distinctly being the first kid in the neighborhood to have a thousand cards. And of course, it went on to like being 5,000 cards and so on and so forth. But yeah, and you're talking about going to the store during those times when I couldn't get my mom and dad to take me to the store and I wasn't supposed to go out of the neighborhood on my bike. I would sneak off on my bike, go to the store, buy my cards and come back home. And my mom and dad, they never knew I was doing that till of course, much later in life. I told them about it. Where did you put the cards? You didn't put them in the bicycle spokes, but did you put them in your pocket? You hold them in your hand. How'd you get your cards on your bike back to your house? I had a basket, had the side baskets on my bike, and I had them in a bag and just stuck them in the basket. Okay. Did you open them when you got home or did you open them at the store? Well, I waited until I got home. I didn't want to mess them up. Even back then, I knew to try to keep them in somewhat decent shape. Even though I remember we used to do a lot of trading and we would just trade on our driveway. And of course, a windstorm would come along and blow our cards and we'd be going off chasing them. So yeah, I guess I didn't keep them as good as I thought I was keeping them. Were you the same neighborhood for those years in Louisville? Or- yeah. We lived there from the time I was in the first grade till I was in the ninth grade. And we moved to Chicago at that point. Was it the same as in the neighborhoods? The previous year's cards were almost of no value. When the 72s came out, nobody was interested in the 71s. Was that true for your neighborhood or were there across year type trading? No, we did cross-year trading. Everybody saved all their cards. In fact, I recently talked to a friend of mine from the neighborhood and he told me, I still have all my baseball cards. I'm like, ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you've had them this long, you're not going to get rid of them. They'd say, I'm going to wait for them to go up in value. And I just say, dude, they did. <laughs> <laughs> you have a thousand cards back in the day. That was 10 bucks. That it was, was a yeah. penny card. And I'm sure they average a dollar a card now, at least. And some of them, Pete Rose, way more. Again, according to condition. But Okay, and then there was a time that you got real serious as a young adult. Because I, I think you were going pretty hard there and an early proponent of grading. So how did you transition to being an adult collector? In 1975, when we moved to Chicago, that was a real turning point for me in my collecting journey. There was a guy who sat behind me in class. And of course, I was always talking about baseball cards. That was just my thing. And he says, my older brother collects cards. 
I said, that's great. I said, I'd like to meet him, see what he's got, maybe do some trades. So we went over to his house, met his brother. We did some trades. And he told me, he goes, hey, you, you realize that there's a collector's association here in Chicago. And I go, I have no idea what a collector's association even is. I just the Chicago it. Land Sports Collectors Association. You betcha. All right. I maybe have a card too. I was a member as well. Now, I was an absentee member, but in, the, in 75 through 80, when you joined the club, you got on the mailing list and you got discounted missions to the shows. And I knew all those guys. I went over a couple times a year to Chicago because I was in Bowling Green over in Ohio. Oh, wow. So you were a great shot on the interstate. So I probably saw you at some of those shows then, Logan. We might have been. <laughs> but I couldn't drive at the time. I was still 15, but he could drive. So he was always taking me to those shows and all those meetings. And I joined the club. There's the holiday, I, holiday Inn. And that's when I found out that this was an organized hobby and that grown men actually collected baseball cards. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I had gone for four years without knowing any of that. Chicago was a hotbed. There were really serious autograph collectors in Chicago, too, but card collectors as well. The sports collector's store was probably coming on a little bit after that. So how long were you in Chicago? Only a year. Um my brothers and sisters and my mom, they didn't like living up there. I loved it because it was a sports town. Again, I did things that my mom and dad didn't know I did. Oh, I, I would sneak on the train and me and some buddies would go to ball games. We'd go to Wrigley and go to Comiskey Park. And if my mom and dad did those things, they would have killed me. We moved to, from Chicago down here to Memphis, where I live now. Okay. That was 1976 when I moved here. Of course, I don't know any card collectors or anything like that. Still in high school. I see a few ads in the paper and there's some guys collecting cards. So I hook up with them. We end up forming a club, the Memphis Sports Collectors Club. I was the vice president of the club back then. In the 70s, the collecting clubs were a big deal because you didn't have social media. It wasn't as well organized. So mm -hmm. locally was important. Yeah, It was. And we met every month at the main library downtown. I was taking boxes of cards and going down there and we would trade and we'd have a big time. That went on for several years. And then finally, with the advent of shows, the club promoted some shows and we had some local shows at the, I think it was the Howard Johnson's by the airport, which has long since been torn down because the airport needed more space. But we used to promote shows back in the day. So that was a lot of fun. Where were you in the summer of 82, St. Louis? Were you close enough to go to that? Yeah, I did not go to that. But we used to go to a lot of the St. Louis shows back then. They used to have them at the Holiday Inn by the airport. And my buddy, Mike Harper, who was the president of the club, I would always go with him. And I was kind of like his bodyguard because he was a dealer and he was always carrying cash. And he wanted me to be there to help him load, unload, be sure to watch everything for him. So I got free trips basically to go to these shows. Cool. When did you get into grading? Because grading wasn't around at that point, really. Grading didn't kick in until the 90s. Yeah, I think PSA started in 91. It didn't really catch on for me until 2005, believe it or not. I had a bunch of cards, and I had told my son, I said, I'm thinking about grading some cards. He goes, I don't know if you should grade cards or not. So I'm going to try it. And it was between Beckett and PSA. And I don't know what made me decide to go with PSA, <laughs> but that's the grading company I did go with. And I joined their collector's club, submitted, I think, 15 cards at the time. And I had no idea what I was doing with grading. But I ended up lucking out and getting 110 out of the cards that I sent in. That was a great experience. I love seeing the cards in the slabs. And 
It was like everything else I do. I went to extremes. I jumped all in. All in in a self-sustaining way of trying to have a zero-based budget? Or were you pouring money into it of investing funds or extra money? Or were you paying as you go? What was your financial plan there? My financial plan was I didn't put any extra money into it. I was trying to do it from selling some cards here and there, but it just didn't work for me. So I had to start spending to submit the cards myself. We've heard some folks say it's like the Roach Motel with my collection. Cards check in, but they don't check out. (laughs) (laughs) So I just never have sold a lot of cards. I like to trade with a lot of folks, but, but I'm not a big seller. Yeah, I've got a funny story about the 1989 Billy Ripken FF card. Back in the day, I was working at a computer shop. My boss comes back there and says, hey, check out this article in USA Today about the Billy Ripken card. And I went, oh my gosh, this is crazy. He goes, I want one. I said, I want one just because everybody's going crazy. I went home, told my wife about it. And she's like, oh, we got to find out what's going on with these cards. So we actually had a friend that worked at 7-Eleven. And he was always keeping us abreast of what was coming in card-wise back then. One night, he finally told us, hey, we've got some 89 Fleer cards coming in tonight. So my wife, we split up. She went to North Memphis, and I went to South Memphis, and we started hitting every 7-Eleven following the trucks to get these boxes of cards. And the way we communicated with each other was I had a pager. So she would go to a payphone, page me. I would call back. And talk to her and she would tell me what she'd found or what she hadn't found, where she was at, because I wanted to know where she was at. And we ended up with about 30 boxes of those cards. A couple of days later, told my father-in-law what we had done. And he was so mad at me. He wanted to absolutely kill me. And I said, whoa, time out. I said, this wasn't even my idea. This was your daughter's idea. She was the one who wanted to go out chasing these cards. Were you looking for the original? There's so many variations now. Did you predominantly get the first printing? Yes, we got the first printing because when she went to the first 7-Eleven and found them, of course, she started opening them up until she could find one. And we did. We were like, okay, it's game on now. We know for sure this is the first printing. And we lucked out. Just shouldn't have been for consumption of kids. It's history now. It is. But we ended up trading a lot of boxes and cards. Worked out good for us from a collecting aspect. Okay. Thanks, Logan.